This evening as we're reading scripture, we're going to be reading from Matthew 11. Matthew 11, verses 25 to 30. Listen to what Jesus says there. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's come now and ask God's blessing on his word. Lord, we thank you that you speak clearly in your word, that you tell us what we need to know about what we need to believe and what we need to do. And Lord, as we come again to hear from the book of Ruth, we pray that you would speak clearly through your spirit and give each one of us what we need. We know that you're a gracious God who loves us, a gracious God who is doing your own work in each one of us. And we pray that you would meet us and powerfully work in all of us. And we pray this because it brings glory to you and is always for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. This evening our sermon comes from Ruth chapter 3. It's Ruth chapter 3 and we'll be reading the entire chapter together. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, that's to Ruth, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. And he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, and that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and then in the morning. If he will redeem you good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. 
So she laid his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, Let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, Bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. That, that is a chapter that is full of suspense. I hope you felt that as we read through it. I mean, first we have Naomi coming up with a, with a really daring plan to secure Ruth's future. But as the plan starts to unfold, you begin to see how really risky this plan is. The result could be marriage or complete and utter shame. And just as this risky plan actually seems to be succeeding and Boaz has finally agreed to help Ruth and Naomi, Ruth mentions, or Boaz mentions, there's another redeemer. What is going to happen for Ruth and Naomi? Well, we'll leave chapter four, the solution for next week. But already in chapter three, we have the answer of how Ruth and Naomi are going to be cared for because Boaz shows himself to be a willing godly redeemer for a very needy Ruth and Naomi. And Boaz's willingness and his godliness points us to a greater redeemer, Jesus Christ, who willingly gave his own life to redeem his people, his people, you and me, who are much, much needier than Ruth and Naomi because we needed salvation. So that leads us to our main point that God provides a godly redeemer for his needy people. Again, what God is doing is he provides a godly redeemer for his needy people. As we look at this passage, we'll see three basic points. We see a plan for rest in verses 1 through 5. We'll see second, a godly redeemer speaks in verses 6 to 13. And thirdly, we'll see a godly redeemer acts in verses 7 through 18. So first, we see a plan for rest, verses 1 to 5. This chapter revolves around the desire for rest, for security, for a certain future. This desire is what actually drives Naomi's plan. Notice how the chapter begins. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, she's talking to Ruth, Should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? What Naomi wants for Ruth is not bad. Seeking rest, especially in marriage, is actually an expression of Naomi's love for Ruth. Think back in chapter 1, chapter 1, 9, Naomi prayed that the Lord would give both Orpah and Ruth rest in the homes of their new husbands. But Naomi's plan to bring Ruth rest with a new husband, specifically with Boaz, Naomi's plan seems problematic. Think about what she's saying Ruth needs to do. Ruth needs to dress attractively, wait for Boaz to go to sleep at the threshing floor, lie down at his feet until he wakes up, and then follow his instructions. There are so many ways that this plan may fail badly. 
Think about Ruth, what Ruth is doing. She is risking her reputation or worse if this plan fails. But I think it's worth noting that, Bo, that godly Boaz doesn't actually condemn the plan when he figures out what's going on, and neither does the narrator. Okay, he doesn't, they, the book does not say that this was a, a sinful plan. Uh, we can certainly say that it's unwise, that's, that's for sure. I certainly wouldn't recommend this kind of plan to somebody who came to me for advice about how to propose to somebody. Don't do it this way. But this is where we actually see the grace of God, because it's a very unwise plan, but God actually superintends sovereignly, graciously, so that this plan for rest succeeds. Now, we've seen God's sovereignty as care for his people in both chapter 1 and 2. Remember, God worked in Naomi's life to bring her back to Israel. And then the last chapter, God caused Ruth and Boaz to finally meet. And even though God's hand is not as clear here in chapter 3, we do see him at work in the messiness of human plans. But that actually leads us to our second point where Ruth and Boaz finally talk. We see a godly redeemer speaks in verses 6 to 13. Everything goes according to plan. Ruth arrives. She lies down at Boaz's feet at the right time and waits for him to wake up. And you can imagine, Boaz is shocked when he wakes up. Verse 8, at midnight, the man was startled, and he turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And Ruth adds to Boaz's shock by making a bold request. She says, spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Ruth is asking Boaz to marry her. It's a... Spreading your wings is a way of describing the protection that a husband gives to his wife. That's a a wife actually, or a woman asking someone to marry her. That's even surprising in her own day, right? I don't know many women who have actually gotten married that way. It's not something we're used to today, but that would have been even more shocking in the time of Ruth. But Ruth has a firm basis for that bold request. Her request is based on God's character and on God's law. Notice her specific words. She says, spread your wings over your servant. Boaz himself said almost the exact same thing back in chapter 2. In 2.12, he used a similar picture to describe God's care for Ruth. Listen, the Lord repay you, Ruth, for what you have done, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Now, what Ruth is doing here is asking Boaz to be the answer to Boaz's own prayer. Boaz prayed that God would take care of her, that she has come to him for refuge, and Ruth is turning to Boaz and saying, you are the one who will give me that refuge. Now, last week we already saw that Boaz was answering his own prayer by the way he cared for Ruth in remarkable ways, caring for her in remarkable ways throughout chapter 2. And now Ruth is asking Boaz to go even further, to be even more like the Lord in his care. The Lord who has welcomed Ruth, cared for her and protected her. So Ruth's request then is based on God's character. She is telling Boaz that God has taken care of me and he will take care of me through you. 
But Ruth also bases her request on God's law. Notice what she says. Do this for you are a redeemer. In the Old Testament law, a redeemer had a very special role among the people of Israel. His role was to care for other Israelites and to reflect God's own care for his people. In Leviticus 25, uh, God explains the role of a redeemer. A redeemer is somebody who can buy back land uh, that a poor relative had to sell off. Or he can go even further, and if someone was so poor that they had to sell themselves into slavery, then a redeemer, his relative, would come and buy him back and restore him to his land and to to his inheritance. The point of the redeemer, what he was doing in those actions, was that he was preserving the family and preserving the inheritance. But it's even more than that because God was acting through these redeemers to show his care for his people. Remember that God has promised them the land. He's brought them out of slavery into freedom. And he's using these redeemers to teach his people the lesson of how much he cares for them. Now that's what we often think about if we look at a place like Leviticus. But there's another aspect of being a redeemer. And we see that come through in the book of Ruth. A redeemer could also go even further and marry into that family. He could marry a widow like Ruth to preserve the family by giving her a son. That son would then not carry his name, but would carry on the family name. So in the case of Ruth, if Boaz marries her, the first son will be Malon's son. He will carry Elimelech's name down. You can see that practice in other places in the Old Testament. We call it leveret marriage. Now remember, what the Redeemer is doing in both of these things, in buying back, but also in marrying the widow, he is reflecting God's character. He is showing the compassion of care of God. That's important to see because God preserved the inheritance of his people. He preserved the family of his people through the work of compassionate redeemers like Boaz. So, Ruth, then, is actually asking Boaz to do a pretty amazing sacrificial thing. She's asking him to do a whole lot more than just marry her. In fact, she is asking Boaz to do a lot for Naomi. Naomi is really the focus of Ruth's request. Ruth is asking Boaz to buy back any land that belongs to Naomi. that She was so poor she had to sell off. Buy back any of that land. And she is asking Boaz to marry her with the understanding that that first son that may come is not Boaz's. That first son carries on the family line of Naomi and Elimelech. What is Boaz going to say to such a bold request? A bold request and a costly request. If all of this happens, it's potentially very costly to Boaz to actually fulfill all of those duties that Ruth is asking him to do. But listen to Boaz. He shows his character so well here. Look at verse 10. And he said, and you're waiting for these words, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich, And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. Boaz starts 
by praising Ruth. And he praises her for her kindness to Naomi. That's what's happening in Boaz's words. If you remember, kindness in the book of Ruth is that same word for God's steadfast love. It's part of God's covenantal character, his love for his people. And Boaz recognizes that Ruth is not just seeking rest for herself. She is not just focused on herself. No, she is again showing deep love, deep steadfast love to Naomi. Boaz mentions Ruth's first act of covenant love. He says, this what you're doing now is even better than the first kindness. That time when she committed herself to Naomi, her people, and her God. He says, this, what you are doing now, Ruth, is even greater. Because this time, Ruth had another chance to care for herself. And instead, she committed herself to Naomi and to Naomi's good. Ruth could have sought out a young man, somebody maybe her own age. Maybe she could have looked for somebody for his money or looked for somebody for his looks. And no one probably would have faulted her for that. She had a right to do that. But she chose Boaz. She she chose Boaz because he is Naomi's redeemer. What Boaz is doing is praising Ruth then for being like God. For yet again showing the same kind of steadfast love that God shows to his people. And Boaz's words show that he is exactly the kind of redeemer then that Ruth and Naomi need because he recognizes godliness in others and he praises them for it. And then he agrees to go and do it. Verse 11, he promises that he is going to try to redeem Ruth. And then again in verse 13, Boaz actually swears by the Lord. This is a very serious thing that he does. He swears by the Lord to redeem Ruth if he has the opportunity. But now there's a wrinkle because there's a nearer redeemer, a closer redeemer who has a right to redeem Naomi and Ruth before Boaz. But here too, Boaz continues to show that he is a godly redeemer because he is willing to have this other man redeem Ruth. That may not sound very romantic. I can't think of a Hollywood movie that runs along these lines. I'd really like to do it. There's somebody else I'd much rather that he do it. No, that's not how we normally think. It may not sound romantic, but it's very godly. It's very godly because Boaz's priorities are following God's laws and caring for Ruth. Boaz is willing to put aside his own preferences if it means that Ruth and Naomi will be cared for in the way that God has designed. So Boaz demonstrates all the way throughout this passage in his words, his caring godly words, that he is exactly the kind of redeemer that Ruth and Naomi need. But he doesn't just stop with his words. We see, thirdly, the godly redeemer acts. We see this at the end of the passage, verses 14 to 18. What Boaz says, he backs up with his actions. In verses 14 to 18, he begins to act like the redeemer that he is for Ruth and Naomi. In verse 14, Boaz acts to protect Ruth to protect Ruth's reputation. Let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. He protects her. 
And then in verse 15, Boaz acts to provide for Ruth and Naomi. He gives Ruth six measures of barley to bring back home to Naomi. Now, Naomi doesn't know any of this until Ruth comes home, right? You can imagine Naomi's anxiety that whole night. Like, what in the world is going to happen? And as Ruth comes down the path, she says, How did you fare, my daughter? How did you fare? Or more literally, who are you, my daughter? That's what it says. Are you a rejected woman or are you a redeemed woman coming back as a bride-to-be? Well, Ruth's story confirms all of Naomi's hopes. And the narrator focuses on Boaz's actions. He focuses our attention again on something that seems not very important, the six measures of barley. Um, It may not seem important to us, but notice Boaz's words. Verse 17, he said, he gave this to Ruth to bring back to Naomi because you must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. Remember, one of the main themes in the book of Ruth is Naomi's journey from being empty to being full. And when Boaz gives this food to Ruth for Naomi, Boaz is assuring Naomi that she will be full again. Full of food, her physical needs will be taken care of care of this gift of Boaz is actually a way of assuring Naomi that he is willing to redeem her and to care for her. Now, Naomi still has no grandson to carry on the family line, so her family fullness is not satisfied yet, but God is at work through Boaz to care for her. This chapter ends in amazing hope. Boaz is on the move. Boaz will act but it remains up to God to guide the story to its conclusion. I said that Boaz points us forward, right? Because there's a greater redeemer than Boaz. Boaz is actually pointing us forward to Jesus Christ because Jesus does such a much greater work of redemption for us. Think about what Boaz is doing. I said that Boaz's redemption is sacrificial, Right? He's investing money in buying back land for Naomi. And he's putting his own inheritance at risk by promising that the first son will take on Elimelech's family name. But do you notice part of why Boaz is actually willing and ready to sacrifice all of this for Ruth and Naomi? Look at verse 11. It says, Ruth, all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. Everyone knows your godly character, Ruth. That means Boaz knows that Ruth and Naomi are worth redeeming. That's not true about us, though. That's not true about any one of us. Apart from Christ, we are dead enemies of God who live in sin and love to sin. You know, Ruth and Boaz isn't the only story of redemption in the Bible or even in the Old Testament. Do you remember the story of Hosea? Do you remember the story of Hosea and his prostitute wife, Gomer? The one who he brought, he married, and she ran away from him to live with other men. And God had Hosea redeem her, buy her back to show his unchanging love for his people. You know, you and I would love to say that we're like Ruth when Christ came to redeem us. Needy, but very nice. That's not true. We are all Gomer's. We are all turning our backs on God and his grace. 
And yet Christ redeems us. That is the amazing good news of the gospel. Christ redeems sinners. He redeems you and me. And what a cost he pays. So much more than whatever Boaz could do. Christ humbled himself. Remember Philippians 2. He came down from heaven. He gave that up temporarily to be with us. In his incarnation, in his life of obedience and suffering, and in his death, he really suffered. He really died, and he did that. He paid that cost for you and for me. He did that to bring us back to himself. So we look at the, the redemption that we see in Boaz. Look at the redemption that we have in Christ. How much greater is Christ's love for us? How much greater is his willingness to sacrifice for us? How much greater is his work? As you look at Christ, rejoice. This is, this is a time of joy to look at what Christ has done. Rejoice in Christ free and full redemption of you. He is a redeemer who has met us in our greatest need. He has brought us back into fellowship with God. He has forgiven our sins. And he is a redeemer who continues to supply everything that we need, both in this life and in the life to come. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you that you are a God who redeems us. And it's not because we're wonderful. It's not because we are worthy to be redeemed, but you actually redeem us even though we are sinners and opposed to you. We thank you for your love for us that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, we pray that we would live in light of your love for us, that we would live a life of joy. Because our salvation isn't based on us. Our salvation is based on you and your unchanging character. Lord, we know that the the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we pray that you would help us to live all of our days uh, knowing how much you have done for us, growing in our appreciation and our thankfulness and our obedience for you. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.